CJ here, and this is the sound of black and brown. As the young people say, this one's going to be a banger. We have so much to unpack. Grab your favorite snack, get comfy, do what you need to do, put your phone on vibrate, whatever you need to do. Get comfortable, relax, stay a while. We have a lot to unpack tonight. I mean, I don't want you right now. We gonna unpack some shit, and it, it probably might go for an hour. I can see that happening. I'm all for it, cause I don't know about y'all, but this week felt like a whole fucking year. I just seen Amy pop up. Amy, we're waiting for others to join on. So I'm just saying, you know, this week felt like a year. <laughs> I don't know about everybody else, <laughs> right? So we have a lot that we want to unpack tonight. So welcome, y'all. This is a, one of our series. What should white people do? And we're going to be talking about a lot. One of the things we're going to start off talking about is what exactly um, does a government shutdown mean? I, I mean, I find it odd that more people were not concerned. That that by itself was concerning. A lot of the statements made by lawmakers and a lot of the stuff on media that we're seeing, I mean, my God, how much more? right? How much more do we need to see before we say enough is fucking enough? So let's start with that, Amy. You want to take a stab at it? Tell us how you feel about this government shutdown. What is it and why should people give a fuck? Yeah. So so I'm glad you're talking about it because uh, people seem to have forgotten that there was not an actual resolution. What was passed was a continued resolution. So they kicked the can down the road for another another 30 days. Um, and I think I worked, uh, actually, I was working in a, as a congressional aide during a shutdown. Um, so I got to see, like, what kind of things happened. Um, and it's, number one, it just, it imagine a giant machine of cogs and wheels and gears and uh it just coming to a screaming halt and that's basically what happens like everything kind of closes there have over the decades been um bills that have been passed that protect things like veterans payments continue um and military has not they've not done that with the military yet um but that like snap benefits continue um so that kind of thing. However, like the system for approval, like everything just moves slower. And it really depends on who's, who's deemed, um, what's the word? Uh, it's not, I, I don't want to word, use the word necessary. It's like who's deemed that they need, that needs to be there um, and who can be, can stay home. So like you're seeing offices, federal offices reduced to half, you know, um, so it just slows or stops. Well, that's the thing, right? Um, I love what everything. you just said, Amy. I see Manny and three-fifths just jumped on. We've been talking about this a lot. We've been talking about it, you know, this almost government shutdown. And I love what you just said, that they didn't actually resolve shit. They just said, oh, we're just going to put a Band-Aid on this real quick. I want to give three fifths and Manny a chance. Whoever wants to go first, how you? F- um, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, good evening to your guests. 
the shutdown, see, you, the, the real pressure for the shutdown is coming from the corporations. I don't know if uh, the, the lady uh, mentioned that, but the corporations are the most affected. Case in point, the war machine doesn't get paid. That's right. The war that is a big paid. statement. Manny, how are you feeling? I know you have some. Yeah, um, you know, uh, first off, you know, hello to everyone. Um, yeah, I, I remember in the days leading up, to the shutdown um i had a lot of people asking me about it uh because i don't think a lot of people knew just how much would be affected uh manny did they the let me ask you this though i see you you coming to start some shit, you know you right there we seeing you you see you hear the evil laugh y'all did you hear the laugh okay so check this right did it is it that they didn't know or they didn't care both. Ooh, Definitely say both. more. Definitely both. Um, you know, for the ones who didn't know, um, I, I'm. Uh, there were more of uh, my peers, you know, my age group. You know, they they heard about the government shutdown, um, and they're like, "Oh, like, what does that mean? You know, what what happens? All that stuff." Um, and then there were also conversations where it was, you know, why are you talking about the government shutdown? You know, that doesn't matter at all. Life is going to continue no matter what. Right. And it was like, um, oh, OK. Like, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you you have confidence in that, you know, the like whether it happens or not, you're, you know, you're you're okay you're fine you know um and that was quite disturbing right, right? as amy just put it right wealthy republicans they they don't care you know if the government shut down where to happen or not facts all right check it i'm gonna start with you guys over there first right um you'll thank me for this question after check it here's my question ready Whoever wants to go first between you and three-fifths, and then we'll, we'll see what Amy has to say. All right, Amy, you get a chance here to prep, so check it. What does Jim Crow have to do with power, place, and privilege? And why was that an important weapon? I'll... Jim, Jim, Jim Crow is power in itself because it's a, it's, it, it uses laws to control the people. And uh, pri privilege, as you say all the time, you know, those in charge, that's the privileged people, look who's in charge. And I was just uh, listening to my XM radio before I came on, and uh, Miss Lapatis, she's correct, but here's the rise, the people that are really rising that's worse than Republicans. There's a rise in this country of libertarians. A lot of people don't know, but Facebook, Zuckerman is a libertarian. That's the group you better start keeping your eye on. And these right-wing billionaires, a lot of them are libertarians, they're not Republicans. A lot of privilege. Lots of privilege. All right, Manny, let's hear you. I'll read it again. What does Jim Crow have to do with power, place, and privilege? And why was that an important... Well, yeah, um, I, I think that, you know, we need to revisit, um, you know, some things that we said uh in, in a 
episode we did in the past, right? Which were um, back in 1877, right? Uh, when, you know, the end of Reconstruction and and really, you know, the, wait, the wait, beginning. Wait, 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 pause, pause, pause. I want to acknowledge something for the audience, everybody, right? Because I know Amy and Three Fifths smiling with me. Your people that info just roll off his mouth, right? Listen, high five. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Y'all don't even know with the days. You see how the three of us got lit up off of that, Manny? This is why we say all the time, y'all, don't sleep on the Generation Z. Don't do it. Oh, go ahead, Manny. Go ahead. <laughs> right. So, you know, uh, you know, we established that the Jim Crow era, uh, contrary to so many people thinking that, you know, it started in the civil rights movement, right? The 1950s and 60s. No, it started much earlier, right? We're talking 1877. Um, and so, you know, and then what came out of that, right? Um, we had the, the black codes and the restrictions and the limitations and and how the southern states this was their method right of okay they had just lost the ability to you know legally have slaves and so they still wanted to retain the power that they had over you know the people that they once actually had <laughs> you know owned as property as it was right they needed to find a way to still retain that power. And so what did they do, right? In this era of Jim Crow, right? The black codes, uh, restricting and criminalizing certain things, right? Uh, and then we see that go all the way from 1877 well into the civil rights movement, right? Where they did every single possible thing they could, right? to criminalize, to prohibit, to restrict, to limit, to control every single aspect they possibly could, right? We, see all, we saw this from, you know, local levels to state levels all the way to, you know, the national um, level. I mean, when you talk about, um, what was it, uh, uh, 1896, Plessy v. Ferguson, right? Uh, established um, the separate but equal, right? Decision. Pause for a thought, right there, Manny. I, I need to say this because I know I know three fifths smiling. I know Amy's smiling. You don't understand. You just you. you I, I don't even think you know what you're doing. For those listening in, nothing here is scripted. He does not. You know, at most he's probably checking. Nobody script nothing. This is why you cannot leave them out of the conversation. I'm Yeah, so, you know, so you had 1896, right, the Supreme Court, right, again, on a national level. Uh, Plessy v. Ferguson, uh, you know, ended up codifying that separate but equal decision, right? But then we see later on, right, this is when we get to the Civil Rights Movement, right, 1950s, um, we get to the you know, Brown v. Board of Education of what, uh, 19, 1954, right? And so you see that, like, 
there were decades and decades and decades of black and brown people realizing that, you know, this Jim Crow era, right, that again, lasted much longer than, than a lot of people uh, acknowledge, right? But the black and brown people realized that there were so many policies and statutes and codes, you know, laws on so many different levels that were in place so that conservatives and, and, and the southern states, right, um, could really have as much power and control over the black and brown population. Oh, boy. All right, Amy, come on. I'm going to read it one more time. It's your turn now. What does Jim Crow have to do with power, place, and privilege? And why was that an important? Yeah. Um, so uh, just to dovetail everything that Manny was talking about, there, it was the gap between enslavement um, and, uh, you know, so, okay, let me start over. So what we had was a bunch of free black people, right? And instantly the entire economy of the United States was stopped because there was no more free labor. So what does the South do? The South needs to find a way to maintain control. And it cannot, you know, there's the physical violence, um, then there's the economical violence, um, and every other type of violence that can be enacted against the Black community that's newly freed to keep them in place. They had to keep the economy going. And to keep the economy going, they needed Black bodies that they didn't have to pay. And that's where the Black codes and um, Jim Crow came in and really where we started to do the whole um, turning slave patrol into uh, police. And their job was to go around and find black people that were just doing everyday stuff um, and accuse them of not working. And that's all they had to do, accuse them of not working, throw them into um, jail, and now they were working. Um, because this also went along side by side with the convict convict leasing. Um, and so between those two things, I mean, and there were laws about not being able to move. People were, black people were not able to move. They did everything they could to try and stop the migration. Um, but it was, so the South, what was happening in the South and what was happening with the Jim Crow laws and all of that, and then with uh, the, the government um, paying enslavers back for the money that they lost, you know, enslavers got reparations, um, was all in the North's interest uh, because of the economy. And so they allowed that to happen. Um, and I wish that I was able to read some part of history of someone that was in a room somewhere when they discussed exactly what the plan was when you go from enslaved people providing free labor to what what they thought the economy was going to be after that like what did they think was going to happen um what was the plan um because what i see is that the plan was jim crow 
the plan was uh, convict leasing. Uh, and that was, and, and we still see it today. So, um, so yeah, so I think that uh, capitalism, the uh, wealthy white elite um, of both the North and the South said, hey, you can't stop our free labor. Um, you're, you know, going to destroy our economy. Our GPA would have tanked. Um, so, yeah. Did I say yeah, you did. That's <laughs> hilarious because it is partially true. No, it's true though. For real though. You you made a mistake. That's actually true. Let me all right, so this chick right here. Y'all came to talk that talk. I love it. I love it. I love it. Check it out, right? So here's my response now. So thank you all. I, I agree one thousand percent. So the question on the table was for those just now tuning in, we, you know, they're comfortable because we're talking about the government shutdown and what's connected, right? And the question right now is, you know, what, what was Jim Crow? What did it have to do with power, place, and privilege, right? Let me tell you what Jim Crow was. Jim Crow was the prelude of white supremacy right there. That was white supremacy saying, we will only let you go this fucking far. My friends, Jim Crow was your first government shutdown. Pay attention. Listen to what the fuck they just said. Rewind that back when we post it, right? Because everything they just said, if I didn't repeat the question, if I didn't repeat it, if I just said it one time and you just came on, let me tell you something. You would have sworn we talk about 2023. Tell me I'm lying. Tell me I'm lying right? You would have sworn we were talking about fucking 2023. Look at what they're doing right now. We have so many people who are housing insecure, job insecure. They can't get medical insurance. They're still fucking us up. All which way you could think about, all right? They're still beating our people. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm going to pass the mic around. How you feel about Also, uh, to, to the uh, to, to the uh, the lady that spoke, and she spoke 100% on point. What what they also did was that's how child labor came in effect during slavery because they wouldn't pay the children, and that's why you have like sweat uh, down the road. You have the sweatshops about to come out, but during slavery, you had children in the field. That's that's who they that's who they use. They said you know we ain't got to pay them and stuff. They got it worse the children. But you're right. You know, it, it's 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 a perfect, but it, you know, I, I, like I said, we talked the other day. It's just not to me. I think white supremacy is on its way out. We're gonna have more fascism. Cause I've been studying this government. It's turning more and more to fascism, and you can see it. And that's just as worse as white supremacy. Well, I mean, they go hand in hand in my book, because the backbone of it, yes, they do. Because the backbone of it all is conservatism. Right? These conservatives are a big fucking problem. Right? Manny, talk to us. What do you think? Where you at? So, you know, I I absolutely want to echo what you're saying, right? If you didn't reiterate the fact that we we're talking, you know, about Jim Crow back then and you know, people were just hearing our answers right now, very much so they would think we're talking about twenty twenty three. Now let me provide uh evidence for that um 
this year, right, uh, I think in May or June, um, we saw uh, Mississippi, right, pass a bill through its House of Representatives and through its Senate, right, that a lot of people saw the bill, saw what it, it was going to do, and coined the term Jim Crow Laws 2.0, right? Um, and and for those of you who are not familiar with what the bill was, right, uh, there were several aspects to it. Uh, one of them being uh, that it would remove jurisdiction from the city uh, over things like event permits, especially those for protests, right? Um Obviously, you know, there were a lot of protests happening because of things like police brutality and, and, and uh, racism, you know, white supremacy uh, attacks, right? Um, and so a lot of BLM protests were happening. And now, you know, they'll be able to say, well, you're having this protest, you don't have a permit, they can shut it down, they can, come, you know, combat uh, with violence, Right. Um, another, you know, another one uh, of the things that it did, right, um, was like expand, you know, the jurisdiction that Capitol Police had um, so then they can, like, enforce all the laws of Mississippi rather than, you know, will just be deemed. Uh, appropriate for the capital, right? And we're talking about like the building, not like the city. Um, and again, would be used to combat and and pretty much, you know, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? Um, rebel, you know, uh, against the the protesters and and you know, well, just be another incident of police brutality, right? But. Here we are. We're talking about a state like Mississippi, right? And and for again, for people who don't know, this this state itself holds such a deep rooted uh, origin. When we talk about Jim Crow, when we talk about slavery, right? Uh, let's remember that it was part of the original eleven Confederate states during the Civil War, right? Um, and let's also remember that they were one of the most resilient states, right? Having to be captured um, like four or five times by the Union before they surrendered, right? Um, and also, 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 you have to keep in mind, right, with this uh, passing of this Jim Crow Law 2.0, uh, the capital of Mississippi, Jackson. Uh, has a majority population of African Americans. Uh, it's it's about eighty to eighty five percent majority population. Okay, and and it's had a majority population of African Americans going all the way back to, I mean, you could trace all the way back to like eighteen twenty, eighteen twenty one. You know, so yeah, so like realize that very much so things like Jim Crow, while they may not be 
named the same and not named the black code. They're not, you know, they don't have those names anymore. There are bills and laws and things still being passed that very much replicate Jim Crow. Let me tell you something. You'll peep this, right? We said what's connected to a government shutdown. I'll help you all out. The fucking military and police. Because you see, they need that reinforcement to maintain that power and control. They need to beat your ass and create war and create war on a local level, international, national, in order to do it. An order, like like Amy pointed out earlier, they didn't resolve this government shutdown. It was just, you know, kicking the can. It was just like, oh yeah, y'all, y'all worried, right? Exactly, like Trey is saying in the chat, not only the military, also doctors, firefighters, the treasury. These are all positions and roles where we are heavily underrepresented. All right, Amy, you know what I'm going to ask you? You know the question now. What should white people do? Uh, yeah. Um, well, number one, specifically in this instance with the shutdown, I think um, staying on top of what's happening um, and caring. Um, you know, you may have a, a good job where you have the income that means that you don't um, rely on any type of assistance, uh, but a lot of our community does. Um, and even our military is not gonna be covered you know, there's the military pay pauses. Um, the people who don't get paid and have to work are the people that clean the buildings or the people that work in the buildings um, that are not like the, the Congress still gets paid. Um, so what can white people do? White people can pay attention. White people can have a better understanding of who is actually impacted when there's a government shutdown because as much as um, you know, people get upset about military pay, and I know that that's something that I've posted quite a bit because it seems to catch more attention discussing other things, but um, knowing who is impacted and knowing the fact that they, the agreement that was reached twice this is the second continued resolution that we've had for the same shutdown, for the same stimulus package, uh, sorry, for the same, same omnit, um, the financial package. Um, both times, uh, Democrat, I, I don't know. I, I, looking at Congress, I can't say that Democrats aren't doing what they can to try and prevent a shutdown because I don't want to see them concede on any more things. I think, you know, what Biden did to prevent the first shutdown in the cutting of COVID funds, and then we read about entire um, uh, uh, hotels being emptied of homeless people that had been living there using that money, and Biden con con considered that a success. It's not. Um, so knowing who's impacted um, and uh, just putting pressure on, keep the pressure on. If, if, it, if one of your representatives knows that you are paying attention, if they know that you are watching, 
then they're, they're going to care what their response is. Like someone not, might not care about like a zebra safety bill. You know, there's like five people that care about that. And so they'll pay attention to those, those five people. But the fact that it, it goes under the radar means that they really don't put much care into that bill, right? Because constituents and their responses and their reactions drive what a candidate, uh, sorry, an elected official does. So if you are paying attention and if you are contacting your congressperson or senator's office and saying, where are we on this? And I expect you not to concede on these issues. Um, I expect you to hold strong on these issues or stand up more for these issues. Um, or, um, you know, there's like a million things that, that you could say that, that impact your own community. But if you contact your representative and make your representative um, aware to the fact that you are watching and that, that this is something that you understand, that you care about, um, then that puts pressure on them to do the right thing. What the right thing is in this situation, I'm not sure, because a shutdown would be bad. Um, we don't even have an, a fucking speaker right now, so we don't even know what's going to happen with that. Um, I have not looked into, I guess they put, they appoint somebody, they'll appoint somebody temporarily or whatever. Um, but it's just a fucking shit show. And this is going to be a really big mess. Um, I think that if it happens more towards the end of the year, we're going to see even bigger problems for anyone that has a calendar year that matches, or a fiscal year that matches their calendar year. Um, so yeah. What white people can do is look at how this is impacting not just you, but the people around you. Your, I should I should say your community, everybody in your community. Um, and also, you should be contacting your representatives' offices and making your feelings about funding for X or Y um, voices. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just want to say this um, before we move forward. So check this out. On the sound of black and brown, 95% of our episodes are facilitated only by black and brown people because this platform is a safe space for us as black and brown people to break bread. We're not always going to agree, right? But within this agreement, we could find some real great solutions, okay? This particular series, What Should White People Do, is the only space where a white person such as Amy will come on and they're challenged to answer that question, what should white people do? So I just wanna offer some clarification, right, on that. Moving on to that, from that, because we have some great conversation going here. I mean, our government is a fucking mess, right? We need white people to, you know, use your privilege the right way, not the white way. Okay, don't just show up to the fucking march, hold a sign, take a picture and be happy about that. I'm glad that you did that for yourself. And I'm glad that for those five minutes, you felt like you was doing something. But after the march, we still have to walk outside as black and brown people. So I'm gonna need you all to push back on the white media, right, a lot, and hold these people accountable. You see the bad policing and shit? Don't just march about it. Do something about it. You're seeing somebody being exploited on the job. They're being overworked, written up on bullshit. Come on, man. Use your power, place, and privilege. Now, check this out. 
We spoke about policing, right? I want to turn your direction to New Britain, Connecticut real quick. Now, according to the U.S. Census, right, from data collected back in 2022, July 1st, 2022, New Britain, Connecticut is about 50, close to 59% white, right, about 14% black, and 42, about 43% Hispanic, right, and then, you know, you have the biracials and so forth. Now, this is according to the U.S. Census data from 2022. There's a lot of shit happening right now in New Britain. We had our friend Ramon Garcia on a couple nights ago, and he shared a story about a Latina, a Latina woman who was dragged and killed, right? And we have another friend. Um, he's also from Concan, Trey Brown, and he's here tonight, and he's going to share some more about that. Amy's also going to share some information on what's happening in Middletown. And we're going to ask the question, Amy, what should white people do? So let's take this in for a second. Trey, you want to introduce yourself and then tell us what. Hey, can you guys hear me? One, two, one, two. Yep, yeah, we can hear you. Um, all right, cool. So, hey, everybody, this is my first time here. Um, Trey Brown, I'll be, uh, I'm actually going to be uh, co-organizing a protest for uh, Catherine Pallone on this Sunday in New Britain at 3 o'clock. Um, she was a young lady who was killed uh, by a police officer um, named Officer Research. Um and was only 40 years old and leaves behind three uh, three daughters. Uh, the officer was speeding, trying to go solve a case, and he struck and killed her. And he was placed on um, administrative uh, paid leave, from what I was told. Um, and I wanted to just bring this up. There's actually 9.3% of African Americans who live in the city of New Britain. Um, that number has really, it used to be 10.5%, but it actually dropped to 9.3%. Uh, uh, every time that there's an election in the city of New Britain, even though we have about 70, 72 to 74,000 residents, uh, only 10 to 11,000 of those residents uh, come out to vote every election year. Uh, this has been a serious decline, um, and these numbers are absolutely horrible. Uh, New Britain uh, is definitely in an outroar because of this. And not to mention, uh, we are sick and tired of we are tired of police uh, doing not their, their 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 model is to protect and serve. But who are they truly protecting and serving? The rich and the wealthy. And it is not it's not fair to those who are actually it's not fair to us who are black and brown who are paying these tax dollars to live in a city where they are going to be uh, killed and, and everything. And not only that, uh, we, we, we tried to, back in the time of George Floyd, we tried to advocate for a civilian review board with subpoena power to hold uh, police accountable, as well as try to form racial equity and steering committees. However, uh, the mayor uh, re, re, recanted on said proposals after she said she had a a, a, an epiphany or a change of heart and wanted to look to uh, see if this would take place and to happen. Um, it's like our tax dollars get raised. However, there is no bridging the gap of trying to make sure that black and brown people are protected. 
what makes it so bad is that there are people who are saying that the police are doing a great job, but they're really not. You know, they have great uh, equipment, great uh, body cams, everything. And then on top of that, what it was told to me was the, uh, the officer who struck and killed uh, this young lady uh, was laughing about it after it happened because he was trying to speed to catch somebody who was in a robbery. Now, this protest, this rally that's taking place on Sunday uh, will be in Britain at Central Park at 3 o'clock p.m. Um, we are calling for an immediate end uh, to, to for police brutality of all forms. And not only that, we are calling for that officer to not only uh, be you know, be, be charged for the crime committed, but also, you know, place under arrest. This family is without, you know, their daughter. This, this three daughters are without their mother. Someone is without their sister. How would, how would they feel if a black officer killed a white woman? They would be raised to outright and outright lynch a black officer before taking accountability for their own, you know, if people want to get technical about history, and I'll wrap it right here, police officers were known as slave catchers. They weren't known always to protect and serve, but they were known to beat, kill, lynch, and to set on fire African-American and Hispanic people. Um, and what we must see is an immediate end to all forms of police brutality. We must see cops be held accountable for their actions. And we must vote for people who are actually going to do the job that they are elected and held to do. Um, and if there's any questions, um, definitely let me know. Uh, this is Trey and I. Yeah, no, that was great, Trey. I mean, right here, right now, you know, we just spoke about Jim Crow. We just defined it. We just told you all what it was. We, we broke bread on that. And look at what he's talking about. And y'all telling me it ended? I don't fucking think so. Three fifths. What do you? Oh no, he hit. I listen. He hit the nail on the head. And what it is? See, during he's correct. It was called a slave patrol. But now, in this century, the police are there to protect property of the rich. That's what that's what they patrol. The most the most contact that people have when they imply they put in that they call that broken windows theory. That's happened in New York where they were stopping frisking people and stuff. But he's hundred percent correct. The police are there to protect property in this day and time. They're not they're not there to protect and serve and stuff. But they'll protect and serve in certain in neighborhoods that we know like the suburbs. I told a guy one time, I said, Let me ask you something. Why is it that there's never a shooting? Of someone in Greenwich, Cush Cobb, Windsor. Why why are there shootings never like that? He couldn't answer it. Because they patrol differently. The police's attitude when they patrol in communities, black and brown communities, is that it's us against them. And I know I know I know for a fact. I, I had police peeps in my family that told me this. That's why they, they left. They were tired, they got out, they got tired of it, what they saw was going on. So he's 100% correct and stuff. I'm sorry to hear about that, that lady, though. That's crazy. That's wild. And you, and you know what's worse than that? The fact that, like he said, you don't see this trending, right? This is not like big, big news. You feel me? And like you're saying, how come we don't hear about any, you know, violence happening over in Windsor? So the people in Windsor, everybody's BFFs and shit. Everybody good. Everybody over there just, you know, get along like that. That's bullshit, right? Manny. 
Yeah, I mean, um, you know, what, what I think, you know, needs to be said is the fact that this is a huge display of gatekeeping, right? Um, because we all know that no city is exempt from these situations and incidents happening, right? I mean... If there is a city, please, please let me know because, um, you know, apparently it's a utopia, right, to never have any incidents of violence or uh, any problems for that matter. So, you know, the fact that here we, you know, can say, oh, well, you never hear about this happening in this city or that city or whatever. Well, no, please, please, by all means, be aware that it is happening. What we're witnessing is gatekeeping at its finest because, you know, those affluent cities, right, they don't want the reputation of that city to, you know, be stained, right? I mean, come on, let's, let's just, let's be honest. That's what it is, right? You don't. Windsor doesn't want it to, you know, end up having the reputation of, you know, Waterbury or Bridgeport or, or New Haven, as they often, you know, say the narrative New Haven is, right? They want to be seen as an affluent city and, you know, everything is pretty good over there, right? So, so what they do is, you know, when those situations and incidents happen, well, they gatekeep it, right? They just put it under the radar, sweep it under the rug. You know, make sure it doesn't get publication. Make sure it doesn't, you know, get out there and the news gets out there and stuff. So, but you see that you see that area, right? You'll see that in Windsor. You'll see that in so many different cities. You'll see that in different states, right? Different parts of the country. It's what happens. It's just what they do. It's what they've learned. You know, helps them uh, retain wealth, right? Retain. Um, you know, uh, private entities like companies and stuff, right? And and uh, maintain uh, the interests from incoming, you know, private entities and companies and, you know, investors and stuff like that, right? Because if they don't have the reputation of being a violent city, well, you know, again, they have that utopia narrative. Um, so, I mean, that's what we're seeing. It, it, again, you know, it happens. You know, to say it doesn't happen, right? Not true. It happens. It's just they've learned how to seep it under the rug better than in other places. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. New Britain is heavy Republican. All right, Amy, you know the question. What should white people do? This is happening right here in New Britain. Yeah, I'm so glad you're talking about this too, because this story, especially like, so a week before Catherine was murdered um, by a cop speeding through. Say her name, say the whole name, say her name. (laughs) Catherine Cologne was murdered um, in New Britain. The week before that, there was a woman that a student who was also hit in a crosswalk in um, Seattle. And we heard all the press that came out of that when they were caught um, making jokes about it, right? Remember all that? And so this literally happened right after that. And 
I just think it's so weird that they um, that they did not sh- immediately share the fact that he was on a call, right? That that did not come out right away. So I actually don't believe that. Um, I think that um, police. Wait, hold up. You said you think it's their- weird that they didn't share that. Yeah, girl. Uh, because they hold up, not, pause, pause, they sister. Not. Wait, listen, listen. Between me and you, right? Everybody else turn around. Amy, that's how they fuck with us, right? You think this is the first time? You think this is the first time? What I'm saying is It's all about the white media. I think that the reason why they didn't is because it's not Mm -hmm. true. I think that they needed a moment to create some spin. Otherwise, I think that they would have immediately said he was on a call, but they didn't. They also haven't released any of the the data or um, video footage showing that he was um, that he had his lights and sirens on. I don't believe he did. Um, I think that they would have released it already if he did. Uh, so you know why they're not going to release it though? Because you got to understand why? in in America, anytime a cop does something, the cops are going to look out for themselves. They're not going to oh, snitch sure. on one another. You know what I'm saying? So the reason why they didn't release that information just yet is simply because of the fact that they're protecting their own. Now, hey, listen, and the crazy thing is, and this was going to make it so crazy, right? So I was the one who did the protest for George Floyd in the Grand Connecticut. I was the first African-American to ever lead a successful and peaceful protest in the city of New Britain. The last time that there was a rally for a uh, protest was June 25th, 1985 for the KKK when, uh, at the time, uh, William Manafort was the mayor of uh, New Britain, Connecticut. I was the first African-American to ever lead that, uh, that uh, peaceful protest. Uh, the mayor had blocked me for about 48 hours. And they decided to meet with me right after, as well as uh, uh, Alicia Hernandez-Strong, Victor Costanza, and others, which we formed the uh, New Britain Racial Justice Coalition. Um, we overthrew her event um, at, the, at the stadium and pretty much expressed the fact that we, uh, we are tired of being sick and tired of uh, New Britain police getting away with their crimes. There have been several situations uh, that uh, the Grand Police has gotten away with things, like, for example, the murder of Zoe uh, Dowdell. Uh, we also uh, recognize Tamara Apache Mifflin, how that situation where she died in a police custody. Um, you know what I'm saying? All these things, they cover it up because it's all about the blue code. If you ain't got money, you're not going to be protected. And that's how it is, Amy, you know? So what should white people do is not what white people should do. It's what white people aren't doing. And that is holding their people accountable for the shit. Facts. So check this out, right? Let me tell you something. Here's what I'm going to ask everybody to entertain me with. Um, Let's do some foyers. Let's ask some questions, right? Because you see, we have a lot of questions within the last five minutes. Did he or did he not? We could ask that in a FOIA. That's a freedom of information request. The more the merrier, all right? Civil disobedience increases human rights. A civil disobedience is not only sitting on a highway or showing up somewhere, and not that those things are not good, but do not 
underestimate the power of a freedom of information request. I am asking you all who are tuning in, if you could join us, right? Let's ask the city, the mayor of New, ha of New Britain, some questions about what happened to say her name, Catherine Cologne, say her name, right? We need to get some information. Now, if you don't know how to write a FOIA, right? We have our friends over at civiccitizens.org. You type it in civiccitizens.org. They have you know a little tutorial right there. Or just email us, blackbrownunited at gmail. We'll help you with that. I don't know where Trey, I think he logged off or something, but I would have loved to hear more about it. But I'm glad that he signed on and I'm glad that he said that because again, this is how we get the stories out there. And he's right. The white people, you know, what's frustrating us as black and brown people, you know, no offense. And actually, I'm saying that and trying to be nice, but I, I don't really give a fuck because when we get shit thrown at us, nobody gives a fuck, right? We don't get time to research and read this and read that. We have to deal with the shit as it happens. So I'm going to need especially the white people tuning in. Use your privilege and submit some FOIAs. We need to know what the hell, what the fuck is going on with New Britain police. Point blank, period. If you don't know what to ask, if you don't know how to do one, reach out. Let's figure this out. For the black and brown people tuning in, you could do this too, right? Just from your computer, you could do this simple act that can have a great impact. Once we get that information, we look at that, we hit them up again right? There's a lot of power in that. Now, Amy, you mentioned earlier, there's some stuff happening in Middletown too, isn't it? Yeah. So there was, I don't know what it was beyond a an interview, but one of the papers did an interview with some of the uh, Republican Board of Ed candidates. And I read it and it was terrifying. Um, so uh, there's, there's a problem. Beeman Middle School has, I believe, the largest um, number of or population of, of black students. And the I studied the suspension and expulsion rate from pre-COVID and post-COVID. And the number of black children that are being expelled and suspended is skyrocketing. Um, especially in the Beeman Middle School. Like, these are children. Um, so I read the article, and the article was on Facebook, and um, commented underneath, and I posted, I made a graph that shows, um, you know, for all the people in the back, it shows the percent of student enrollment and uh, percent and rate of expulsion suspension by race. I also included children with disabilities because those numbers are astronomical too. So I posted that under it. And one of the BOE candidates responded and said something along the line that it's that it is not a race issue that these children don't behave or something like that. So basically what he's saying, which we already know is what, what he thinks, but he's saying the quiet part out loud and he's literally saying, that at Beeman Middle School, there are it is the black children are 19% of the population, but account for 30% of expulsions 
and suspensions is because of behavior and not racism. And I just found that to be like a hard line that the Republicans are drawing that I have not heard necessarily in um, in past debates and stuff like that. I have not heard someone flat out say, um, basically back black kids uh, misbehave or white kids behave better. Um, but what he also said in the article was that he wants to bring in retired police officers as security. And I cannot think of anything more terrifying for those kids who are already being. But that's the white way, over... though. That's the white way. Like, right. like Trey just said, he's right. Because if it was black officers, right, they don't get as much of a security blanket. White officers exactly. fuck you up and they get a retirement plan. Black officers fuck you up. They get dragged through media. Their reputation. I'm not defending bad police. Don't get me wrong. The blue code has, you know, different layers to it, right? Of course, they're going to bring police in schools. Why not? Why not? Yeah. And so that's something that what I'm trying to push on the page now is for white people to be far more, pay far more attention to. This needs to be an issue. Like this needs to be understood and this needs to be discussed when we are going into this election. This needs to be a front burner issue. That's 30%. Well, then what I'm going to ask you is, what can they do to make that happen? Get involved. Number one, our vote is what's going to count in the end. But calling these people out on social media, when they do public engagements, which we're going to see a ton of over the next month, call them out. Raise your hand and ask them why we are suspending black children, why 30% of our suspensions and expulsions are black children and only 11 white children in the school. Why only district-wide, why only 4% of white children are suspended and 15, sorry, 16% of black children are sus suspended or, or expelled. So ask that question. I am not voting for someone for BOE that does not address this issue. So if we are, if we approach them, if we say it out loud at at these meetings where they're doing their fun little handshakes and collecting dollars, call it out, get it discussed. Don't just say it, get a response from them. What is their response and what are they going to do? And if their answer is put more cops in schools and let's bring, let's now find a way to give more money to retired cops by bringing them in to intimidate black children in our schools. Um, no. So this needs to be a front burner issue. It needs to be something that we talk about. It, we need to talk about it on social media, over the dinner table, at these meetings, um, at the PTAs, when you have lunch with your friends, talk about it and figure out who exactly is going to help move the needle on this. All right. All right. Three-fifths. What do you think white people should do? She's right, because I remember that tactic in the 70s, what they would do, they would say if they had a fundraiser, they would buy a ticket to get into the dinner, and then all of a sudden when you go to the platform, they would ask that question what she's talking about. That's what has to be done. You have to hold accountable. See, the first line is the politician. 
in black and brown neighborhoods with a high rate of brutality, they should be the ones writing the foils. They're the ones that should be bringing the information back with us. We elected them. They go up there like they, they, they go up to the Capitol. They bring up they bring up our issue up there. That's what they do in Greenwich. That's what they do in Chris Park and stuff. I was talking to a Greenwich cop years ago. He told me the power of Greenwich, they're told they pull certain people over, they gotta get a supervisor. That's how that's how much power they have. They got the parts of the power. All they gotta do is make a phone call. And that's some shit. Well, yeah, no. I mean, you have to you have to call this shit out. You can't just see it and do nothing. All right. We have the highest rate of brutality in our in our communities, and we have black and brown politicians. Right. Why are they not open their mouth up on that? This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. It happening right down the street from you. Don't just show up when you see certain lawyers show up in town. That's all I'm going to say about that. Manny, what you thinking over there? What you- um, so, I, you know, I, I want to echo what Amy said, right, uh, which is, as I always advocate for, um, holding the, the candidates uh, and the elected officials, the ones who are already elected, accountable right uh taking them up on their word come you know uh confronting them you know on their ideals and what they're trying to do right uh so you know in the in regards to the candidates right uh finding out what exactly you know do they want to do what do they stand for whatever right um and if you can tell that this candidate or an already an elected official right um have ideals and beliefs and are trying to do things that you and i well you know both well know that is going to be oppressive right and is going to contribute to discrimination or you know uh, racial bias or you know just the overall uh hindrance of advancement for all people right if you can even get the slightest notion of that, right, then, yeah, you, you should be confronting them and holding them accountable and, and, and trying. And if that doesn't work, right, if they're just so rigid and what they want to do, okay, well, then, you know, that's when you resort to other solutions, right, which is trying to get someone else from, you know, your city or community or state, you know, wherever that the level is, um, to go against them, right? Uh, or, or just, you know, another easy way, like Amy says, going on social media, right? Go on social media, raising awareness about what the candidate is trying to do and how that will affect, you know, uh, black and brown people if it does, right? Subjective on, on what exactly we're talking about. So, you know, uh, it, it's it's the fact that we know when a candidate or an elected official, right, um, has certain goals and objectives and ulterior motives, right, that in the end is going to be uh, to the disadvantage of black and brown people, right? And so, yeah, if, if you see that, 
then absolutely, it, it's without a doubt, right? Without a reservation of mind, that you should be doing something to try and stop that, right? That that's really what you should be doing. It's it's forget how you know how it's gonna make them look or or you know um, the fact that it's a maybe it'll affect you know black and brown people. No, no, no. Again, if even the slightest notion of it happening, that's enough. That's enough right there. Right? That's all you should need to know for you to take action against it. Yes. Absolutely. Let me tell you something. For the white people who feeling offended a little bit and your stomach hurt by what you're hearing, how you think we feel? How you think we feeling? Listen to some. Donald Trump is walking around. He could see his kids. He could visit his family. He could tweet. He could, you know, smoke a cigarette outside. He could eat what he want. He could do what he want. Do you really know how many innocent and wrongfully convicted black and brown kings and queens are in prison for bullshit? Bullshit. Prison is a multi-million dollar industry that assists the rich, okay? That's what that is. You want to talk about gentrification and what helps uphold white supremacy and all of these things? You want to talk about what's connected to a government shutdown? Go look at your prisons. Go look at the schools in black and brown neighborhoods that look like fucking jails. Are you serious? Are you serious? So here's what I'm going to put on the table. For the white folks, how about we take our friend Amy advice, right? She's saying it in the chat. Tag the candidate, right? How about we start creating some posts about these issues that were discussed right that are happening right here in New Britain, Connecticut, in Middletown, Connecticut. You heard about it tonight. Tag the mayor. Hashtag Catherine Colon. Aaron Stewart, what are you doing? And tag her. Let's see what she says. Use that social media for good. Don't let Kim Kardashian fool you. That's not all you could use that for. Let's take our power back. And if you care about us so much, and if you want to be about diversity and equity and inclusivity, those words they say in the state now that sounds nice, then use your power, place, and privilege. Okay? Use your social media to push back. Amy, you want to tell folks how, you know, particularly the white people, what things they can do to assist with what happened in New Britain and also Middletown and how they... Yeah, totally. So the, so um, with the New Britain thing, um, I'm... So white people have, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir by saying this to you, but I'm saying it so that if you have white listeners, they can relate to this. Um, white people in general and uh democrats um don't see the problem with police that is actually there we don't see we, we see them as being protectors and um like a concierge um and that kind of stuff we have to be able to see what they are doing to the black and brown community um and we need to speak up so when we see something like what happened in new britain we should be under every single post that comes out from an elected official or the New Britain police, and we should be 
demanding accountability for that officer. Number one, if I hit somebody in a crosswalk, I would be arrested. So I would like to know why we have not had any news come out since that happened. Um, white people aren't demanding it. So we need to demand the answers. Keep the fire on because what they love to do is try to move on to the next thing, right? So we're gonna post this and not really talk about it, but post five more things. So, um, you know, this is down the feed and now people aren't talking about it. Um, the best way to get a candidate's attention is to go to one of their events, raise your hand, and do not privately ask them the question. You ask them the question in front of everyone else who is there. Because this, the white silence and the politeness, it is not polite to pull a candidate aside to ask him a question about race. It is our job, it is our responsibility to ask that question in front of everybody. They are there trying to convince voters to vote for them. And it should be an issue that is discussed openly and publicly. This is not race, discussing racial issues is not a quiet, let's do this over here, that we can't do that anymore. That's called white silence. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Um, but we really need to speak up and um, not just to the elected officials, but call the fucking police force out. Be in their comments. So when they're posting stuff about, oh, this officer, post it. In fact, uh, Hamden Police posted something. Was it Hamden or New Haven? Dan, so Daniel Dunn um, made a comment under a uh, either New Haven Police Department or Hamden, Hamden Police Department post. They posted an officer. That officer was named in a 400-page report as being uh, dishonest and having lied and covered up some shit. So a bunch of us posted underneath it. The cops deleted it. They deleted the post. And now Daniel Dunn is filing a complaint to uh, because they can't do that. They cannot just delete it. So, but all it took was three white people to post underneath a photo of this cop and say, "Hey, all we did was copy an exact quote from the report that discussed how dirty this cop is, and just posted that underneath." And we didn't even write our own commentary. Three white people posted that and the police department to, uh, pulled the, the post down. So if white people are speaking up, you are going to have an impact. And the second that we stop looking at giving police the benefit of the doubt, you'll start to see it more clearly. Um, so again, keep, keep their feet to the fire. We want answers. Keep FOIA, get, get a copy. I think it's like, I forgot what the cost is, but um, for the tape, Middle, Middletown Anti-Racism, my Facebook group, will help or pay, cover the cost of FOIA requests if there is a charge for anything that is related to any racial incident in Connecticut. Um, just send us a message and we'll help you out. Um, I've submitted FOIAs on behalf of other people. Uh, that we're afraid to submit FOIAs. I understand that can be freaky because um, I know every FOIA I've submitted, it, the word makes it around the entire town hall and everyone knows what, what Amy's asking for. So I'm happy to do that for anyone else. 
But I think that um, what we can do too is, is get a copy um, that does, obviously they're not gonna show us um, the horrific part, um, but I, I wanna see the footage beforehand. I wanna see lights on and a siren on, and I wanna know what happened. Um, and we can FOIA that and then post it, um, share it, email it to your friends, uh, bring, bring it on your phone when you, bring it on your phone, listen to me, it sounded so old. Um, whip out your phone at a um, political event where you know a, a candidate is, show them the video and say, what are you going to do to help protect the black and brown community from reckless policing? The answer needs to be policy, okay? It's not, we're going to weed out the bad ones because it's not, there's no weeding, it's policy. The policy itself is wrong. So if your candidates aren't talking about policy reform for policing, then they're not actually gonna move the needle. So it can't be bad apples. If your candidate is saying bad apples, correct them. It is not bad apples, it's the whole damn tree. The roots are in enslavement. It's the whole damn tree. So it's the policy that needs to change, not one officer here, one officer there. And that pressure needs to come from everyone, not just the black community. We need to stand behind our black brothers and sisters, our Hispanic brothers and sisters, our disabled brothers and sisters, and make sure um, that they hear us and make those changes. I appreciate that, Amy. That that right there, right? So for those of you who are wondering how do we who do we reach out to for freedom of information, right? We're talking about freedom of information right now for an incident that happened to Catherine Colon out in New Britain. You would reach out to the town clerk, that's Mark Bernacki, right? You could find his information by Googling or searching for New Britain City Hall. And then, you know, you'll search for the town clerk. Same applies for the city of Middletown. I don't know, Amy, who is it over there? I can't think of that one offhand. Who would they reach out to over there? Would it be the town clerk as well, right? Amy, where'd she go? Did we lose Amy? Oh my God, sorry. Amy, I couldn't unmute me? myself because I was typing something. It's, if you have something <laughs> in the type bar, it takes the mute button away. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the clerk, but if it, but um, make sure that, I, I would always reach out to the clerk. The clerk will direct you to the right person if it's not. For police inquiries in Middletown or FOIAs, it has to go through the police department, of course. Um, but I, and I also had trouble because I did a giant FOIA um, with the Board of Education um, for all their emails that discuss black or trans um, uh, students. Um, not specifically, like I'm, I don't wanna hear about specific students, but I wanna hear what they're talking about policy-wise with um, black and, and uh, trans children. So um, I sent that one to the Board of Ed, and I was like, I don't even know who I'm supposed to send it to, and they gave me the information. So even if you don't know where to go, ask questions. Your town hall will know. Um, so yeah. Sorry for that really long answer. No, that's fine. I just want to add a couple <laughs> pieces of advice when writing a freedom of information request. So here's what you want to do. You do not want to have more than five points. You want to make sure you have five. You want to make sure you're asking very general questions. It's okay if you do one 
and then you wait for their response. And that's actually better because the longer it is, you might have answers. They'll try to overlap the responses. You want very clear, distinct responses. Now, as she explained, she had particular elements that she was concerned about. So she framed her freedom of information request around that. She shared what she was looking for, what we need to ask about for Middletown. I'll tell you what I think you should do for New Britain, okay? You need to ask about what was going on, who was on call, right? You need to ask for records, how they handle similar incidents and give them a time frame. Hold these fuckers accountable. Don't just ask them how they handle the police and, uh, you know, handle, you know, similar instances over the last six months. Say that, you know, you want to know from October 1st, 2022 to October 1st, 2023, how many police incidents occurred and ask them to lay out what happened. Ask them to answer that question first. Let's see what they come with, right? And here's why you want to do that. Because as Trey mentioned, it's the blue code, but you have to think ahead of them. You could even FOIA them to request the footage, right? Wait, I don't want you to put that in the chat, Amy. I want you to say that because not everybody will see the chat, but I'll, I'll let, let me finish this and then you'll say that. So here's what you're going to do. You could go to civiccitizens.org. They have a template there for freedom of information requests. You could email, or if you can't, if you can't figure that one out, or you, you just want further assistance or whatever it is, you could reach out to myself or Amy. Um, you know, Amy has Middletown Anti-Racism. We have Black and Brown United in Action on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or you could just email email us at blackbrownunited at gmail, and we could help you with that. She's also saying that her group will pay because in some cities they do charge right? And some of them have a particular way you have to submit your freedom of information. Here's the piece of advice I want to give you. <coughs> Excuse me. Before you submit your freedom of information, whether it be via email or through their online platform, make sure that you document what you're asking. All right? So even if you email it, create a Google Doc, put a label to it, um, make sure that you keep a copy for yourself. Because you always want to go back to what you asked before, before you ask your next set. Now, make sure you time them too. Because if they don't submit those answers to you within 30 days, then you could take it up a notch. Amy, can you just say what you just typed? Yeah, thanks for that piece of information. I actually didn't know what the how long they had to get it to me because the Board of Ed's been dragging their feet like crazy. And well, this is where, so see, your next read. step now, this is the key with the freedom of information. The next step now is for you to get a group of people to now submit FOIAs to the state. Because when the state gets involved now, let's see what the fuck they do. But go ahead and share. Sure, yeah. Um, what I did when, because I requested um, the record because the guy who's running as the Republican um, candidate for mayor here in Middletown is a former officer. So I FOIA'd all of his, um, his file. Um, and then uh, they sent me, um, I asked, they were gonna charge me for it. So I asked for electronic files 
um, and I didn't have to pay dime. <laughs> um, so yeah. Is that what you were referring to? Yes, just so people have an idea, because if folks want to also write FOIAs, Amy, can you tell them what they should ask for? Like, give yeah, them some um, hints? So, yeah, so uh, so what I did for, uh, I'll describe two different FOIAs that I sent. Um, so one FOIA was I wanted specifically to read emails about specific issues um, that were uh, happening within the school. So I gave a, you gave, I gave a specific time frame. I gave specific words that I wanted to be pulled. Um, and I think that was it for that. Uh, for the, for the police, uh, department to pull the, um, candidate's record, what I did was ask for, um, specifically any civilian complaints, whether they were, um, deemed uh, I forgot what the exact language was, what, whether they were deemed legit or not, um, or whether, obviously, you know, they don't push those through, but I wanted every complaint, um, whether they found, whether they found it founded or not, um, which they gave me. Um, and uh, then there was another FOIA request for an incident that was caught on video. Um, so I, I had to name the specific corner that I wanted um, the video for, I had to um, say which cameras, the time frame, uh, and I think that was it. But I, but those specific things, um, you know, uh, just being as specific as possible is helpful. Um, and yeah, but I, I also put a copy, I've posted my, um, every time I do a FOIA, I will post it in the group. So you can just search FOIA in the group and it'll show you um, exactly what the FOIA looked like um, that went to, to these folks. Thank you, Amy. Now, what I was saying about the number of questions, right? Some questions, you wanna start with five and here's why. Because if you listen to what she's saying, some of these questions, because of the detail you're looking for, the sentencing might be a little longer, but you have to think about what you're asking. Because if you ask questions that carry over to the other, so for example, if question number one was the footage of what happened last week, but then the next question is, can we have, what is the footage of XYZ corner over a time span, you just ask questions that are overlapping. So this is another reason why before you submit your FOIA, whether you do it by email, whether you do it using their platform, if you have to write it on a piece of paper, if you have to use a Word doc, jot it down first, right? Before you actually submit it. Try to keep it short. I said five. If you go as far as like seven or eight, you're okay. What you wanna avoid is to have something like that's two pages long. So what I'm gonna do really quick, I'm gonna share with you one that Black and Brown United submitted, right? So at the top of your foyer, you wanna have who you're addressing it to. In this case, this was addressed to the town clerk over at the city of Hamden. Your first sentence, you know, you, you give your salutation. You wanna make sure that you start off, you know, you identify the person, you identify the agency they're with, you know, all that formality. And then you wanna say, you know, the salutation, dear miss, whoever. Your first sentence has to be it because this is where the fuck you bring in the law and you show them, guess what? I know what the fuck I'm talking about. So here's how you're gonna start it off. 
under the provisions of the Freedom of Information Act, 5 USC 522, and Connecticut General Statutes, Chapter 4. That might have changed because I'm reading something from 2021. So you might want to go and just double check that, but it should be about the same. I am requesting a copy of the following public records from, and then I listed out five points, policies and procedures for the town of Handen regarding road constructions, damaged sidewalks, and pavements on private property. The next question is policies and procedures for the Legislative Council regarding conduct during meetings, including communication between council members. The next question was policies and procedures for the Legislative Council regarding member participation, campaign management, or lobbying for political representatives within and outside the town of Hamden. The next question was policies and procedures for the Legislative Council regarding racism, including training, meeting, and literature utilized. The last question was full minutes of the April 6, 2021 Legislative Council meeting, including communication among council members. We concluded the, the uh, FOIA by saying the following, because remember this was written back in 2021. So our last paragraph here, second to last was, as we are all safeguarding ourselves from COVID-19, I will accept this information electronically. If you must mail these documents, I would like to know in advance the postage fees for the documents I've requested. You wanna make sure you say that, right? You're also gonna say, if all or part of this request is denied, please cite the specific exemptions. You hear what I'm saying? Let me rewind that sentence. If all or any part of this request is denied, please cite the specific exemptions you think justifies your refusal to release the information and inform me of the appeal procedures available under the law. I am in need of these documents as soon as possible. Connecticut law mandates a prompt response to these requests and I look forward to hearing from you at your earliest convenience. You leave where they could contact you and you send this shit the fuck off. Now, the minute you send it off, the clock is ticking. Now the clock is ticking, right? So people, gente, before you submit these FOIAs for New Britain Police and the town of Middletown, write down the points. Amy shared a few. She told you that you could come on Middletown anti-racism. She'll have some pointers there. She's also willing to help you if you need the assistance to do so. And also for the FOIA request for New Britain, if you need help with that in terms of actually getting it formulated and submitting it, right? This is very important work to do here. For Middletown, we're looking at the border ed. For New Britain, we're looking at the New Britain Police Department. If you're interested in going to the call to action that's happening in New Britain on Sunday, it's gonna be across from New Britain City Hall and it starts at 3 p.m., okay? You could come out with your family and friends and stand in solidarity for a great cause. Now, before you get there, submit that freedom of information request. Now, that being said, I'm gonna go around the room. Closing thoughts, where do we start? Three-fifths, you wanna start with you? What's your closing thoughts for tonight?
Let me find out he does off or something. Where he going? Where everybody going? My guy's still there? All right, we'll just move it along. Manny, closing thoughts for tonight. Did everybody leave? Amy, are you still here? I'm trying to figure out where everybody went. Why is everybody quiet? I'm here, <laughs> but I'm totally dying because that was so funny that it happened twice. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, say, did they, I think they fell asleep or something. Where'd they go? No. Maybe they the, went for it's drinks. It's the damn mute button. I'm telling you right now that the that um, three-fifths mute button is giving him a, a hard time on the app. Um Oh. <laughs> um, I this discussion tonight was awesome. I really love talking about local stuff and especially about police and the board of ed. Um, because I feel like anyone uh that that does not want to be racist um and wants to be anti racist needs to uh be making changes in especially those two areas in their own community. Um, a lot of white people like to try to fix the police department in another um, town without ever looking at their own. Um, and it's so weird, but um, but I know I'm supposed to expect it, but um, getting involved in making change in your town for your neighbors and your community. If all of us did that, then we wouldn't need to worry about the town next to us. Um, so get involved. We have prime time right now. The next month, the uh, elected officials and uh, candidates are care so much about what we say and what we do. Um, so this is really the time to be loud and vocal about what you expect. And if you are anti-racist, then you expect to see these things change. Policy, policy, policy. And everything that's happening, you know, you should really check your schools and see what kind of um, expulsion suspensions are happening and what needs to be done there. Um, but local, local, local. Um, and yourself, yourself, yourself. Uh, it, on, on my Facebook page um, in Middletown Anti-Racism, there's like a whole section on books for unpacking your own whiteness. Because if you do not unpack it in yourself, then you become a danger to those that you are around um, uh, that are black and brown uh, in the same issues. You need to know your role, understand your role in uh, upholding white supremacy and how you, and you always will. This is, you're white, we're white. This is what, you know, what, what role we've been assigned. But what we can do is change that for future generations. Um, and so we really need to work on ourselves on our circle, immediate circle, and on our community. Um, and thank you so much for having me here. Again, I really appreciate you allowing me in the space. Um, and uh, I, I really appreciate you. So thank you. Oh, Amy, we appreciate you and, too. And Dr. Manny. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Manny, right? Dr. Manny is something else. You know, I appreciate you all for coming out and sharing and talking about this. We started off talking about Jim Crow and the government shutdown, and then we went on to talk about what's connected to it, and look at where we landed. Look at that. I wanna read for you all something from the late, great Frederick Douglass, 
an excerpt from his 1888 speech, I denounced the so-called emancipation as a stupendous fraud. Just read a little bit of it. So here we go. Well, it may be said that Americans have no memories. We look over the House of Representatives and see the solid South enthroned there. We listen with calmness to eulogies of the South and of the traitors and forget Andersonville. We look over the Senate and see the Senator from South Carolina and we forget Hamburg. We see Robert Smalls cheated out of his seat in Congress and forget the planter and the service rendered by the colored troops in the late war for the Union. Well, the nation may forget. It may shut its eyes to the past and frown upon any who may do otherwise. But the colored people of this country are bound to keep fresh a memory of the past till justice shall be done then in the present. When this shall be done, we shall as readily as any other part of our respected citizen plead for an act of oblivion. Now I see Dr. Manny has returned to us. Dr. Manny, before we tune out for the night. Yeah, my apologies earlier amy is immensely right about that mute button uh, <laughs> so yeah um yeah i, I want to reiterate um that truly 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 um we really do <laughs> no no running away never do never done that <laughs> um it really is imperative that we hold our legislative um, uh, officials, our legislators, our candidates uh, accountable, uh, that we keep the fire under them, uh, keep reminding them of why they're there. <laughs> I'm loving the explanation coming right now. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, reminding them why they are elected uh why you know and for candidates why we should vote for them right and, and what we're looking for them to do if they get elected uh through through us voting for them right um <laughs> and you know it really it is so imperative uh i don't i don't think people truly realize again the power of your vote i always try to emphasize it um Moving forward, people, uh, there are so, so many problems uh, in this country, in the world. Uh, we see it every day. Uh, it is truly, truly unfortunate. But, 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 uh, as disheartening, as discouraging as that will seem at times and that will make you feel, I want you to take solace in knowing that there are people every day single day at every single waking moment truly truly working putting our heads together spending hours and hours of our time you know juggling our personal lives and you know what we're so passionate about in, in these movements right to really really enact changes um and again as we always say you are more than welcome to join us on those movements 
right? Uh, and in any capacity. And, and always know that you, 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 whoever you are, whoever you are, no matter your background, have the very, very same power and potential to be just as great as any one of us here and even much more greater. I always want to emphasize that. So, as I always say, I can't wait for my time. I will be a legislator. Um, like Amy said, it lies in the policies. That's that's my interest. That's my goal. Just some really good policy making. And uh, hey, you'll see me on the front line, getting on people's nerves. Feel free to say hi. I like people, not just just not certain ones, but it's okay. You know, you'll see me, and I'll be more than happy to talk to you. I'm telling you, this is why we have to empower, support, and protect him. We need to remember, we, we, do, we won't be here forever. Our young people need to get that from us. And we need to get a lot from them too. We need to have that faith in them and that belief in them. It's okay. It's perfectly fine, okay? We can do this. We just have to want to do this. Everything that we spoke about is completely doable. And I hope you know that. I hope that you think about it, what we said tonight, and that you have the courage and you're enthused and motivated enough to submit those foyers. One, in regards to what happened to that Latinx woman in New Britain, right? We want to ask some questions to New Britain police. And, you know, if you can on Sunday, show up. 3 p.m., right across from New Britain City Hall, show up in solidarity. Catherine Colon, say her name hashtag say her name if you want to biggie size your fries you know make a statement to the mayor aaron stewart new britain mayor aaron stewart good old aaron and hashtag what are you gonna do hashtag katherine Colon and tag her in it right use that social media for some good good stuff reach out to the city of middletown and ask them what the fuck is going on over there with your board of ed why do we need police in classrooms? Why do we need former police on a school property? What the, f what? What's really going on? And not just in Middletown either, because we have some shit going on in New, in New Haven too, and Bridgeport regarding education. I mean, we, we started off talking about Jim Crow. This is all part of it. Like I said before, if I didn't keep repeating that question, you tuned in, you would have sworn we was talking about 2023. Now you can do it. You just have to want to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, reach out, ask a question. But if we want to change it, we have to face it. All right? We have to face it. I want to thank everybody for coming on tonight. Amy, Manny, Trey, Ramon, three-fifths. Thank you all for, for taking some time. This is a very important discussion. We're going to be back again for another episode of What Should White People Do? And again, on this particular series, this is where we ask that question. And we need the white person in the room to answer, what do you think? Now, that white person will get uncomfortable and may not always have the answer. But we have to be willing to figure out, okay, what do we do? Let's do that. Let's figure this shit out. Outside of that, keep tuning in. We can't do this without y'all. Thank you for supporting us, encouraging us, and keeping us going. It means so much. All right? It really means so much. Thank you so much. Please continue to like, share, and subscribe. We really appreciate y'all. That's all for now. Fist up, smile on. Peace. CJ.